Welcome to No Truck Stops, a spooky Pac-12 podcast brought to you You're by muted. Home Field Apparel. <laughs> this How did that happen? Guy. Streamyard, man. It was Streamyard. I have no. I was ready to go. I'm sure. I'm sure. Ready to go. Nice. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a spooky Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I'm Carlos at Equity Brian. Joining me live is the most evil of monsters, a ginger, Greg at Bananamorphs. Hi. Violently, murderously <laughs> angry boy Matthew Bertson at No Pit Stops. Welcome to Flavortown, bitches. <laughs> and for the last time ever, because he's dead, Reed at Pack 10 Reed. What a great day. What a great day. Shout out to you ghouls joining us live on YouTube. Like the video, send us in your comments and thoughts, and subscribe to the channel. Uh, look, we told y'all that we were going to eat spicy food, Avery and I, but Avery is sick and has requested we push that back a week, just so folks know. She is out. Uh, but we will do it. We are not cowards. We will absolutely eat the hottest salsa we've ever had. Uh, grips is, grapes is just sniffling enough as it is. Either way, please subscribe to the channel and like this video. Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We will read your reviews if you got them. We're still stuck at 195 reviews on Apple Podcasts. And again, we know there are way more than 200 folks listening, so if you want to support us, leave us five stars on Apple and Spotify. It's the least you can do, I think. Also, we are about to start basketball season. Go check out our basketball episode streaming live on YouTube on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. This week, we'll be talking about the biggest non-conference games, recapping a couple of exhibition results, all that fun stuff. Subscribe to our YouTube to get notified about those episodes. And last thing, we have bonus Patreon content over at NoTruckStops.com for just five dollars. Uh, I think you can preview like five minutes of episodes if you want to check it out. But we'll have a week two, week ten preview live over there. So go check that out at NoTruckStops.com. All right, let's just move right into some Pac-12 football, starting with the most dominant performance of the slate: Oregon beats the living shit out of Utah. Reed, take us away. In Oregon's best performance of the landing era, the Ducks soundly dominated Utah, making three no-truck stops hosts, Carlos, Matt, Avery, look very stupid in the process and validating <laughs> what listeners already knew, only Greg and Reed no ball. Things started fast for Oregon so with a... I picked Oregon. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, now's not the time. Now's not the time. <laughs> Let him cook. Things started fast for Oregon with a methodical touchdown on the opening drive and a fourth down stop on defense. For a moment, the Rice-Eccles vibes came alive on a tremendous forced fumble by Junior Tafuna, but the home crowd wouldn't be enough to save Utah. An injury-depleted roster and walk-on quarterback proved too much in a game against a highly poised, balanced, and physical Oregon team. Behind three touchdowns for Bo Nix, a pair of interceptions for Tysheem Johnson, and four and 5.3 yards per carry from Bucky Irving, Jordan James, and the Ducks O-line, Oregon would cruise to a 35-6 win in Salt Lake City. Thank you for that riveting recap, Reed. So here we are, truly dominant win uh, for the Ducks. Let's talk about Oregon first. Reed, start us off. What did you think of Oregon's performance in this game? Going into this game, my view as an Oregon fan was I was at peace because I thought that either Oregon was going to do what they should do and beat a Utah team that I think is very decimated and flawed at this point, or they're going to fall victim to Salt Lake City and lose. And I would have thought this team isn't that serious after all. 
I don't have to worry about missing out on what was a really special season because the team's just not good enough. Uh, and the first of those happened to an extreme degree. I, like I said in the intro, this was the best performance of the landing era. Uh, we can talk about Salt Lake City and what factor this that did or didn't play in this game. But ultimately, I think that a lot of the things that me and Greg talked about on the preview, like Oregon is two touchdowns better than this Utah team on paper. It Like at least. It just is. Utah doesn't have a good quarterback who can process – games like Jaquinta Jackson was banged up in this already Utah's defense I think isn't what they used to be the past few years um you know especially in 2021 or 2019 so overall I thought that Oregon exploited a flawed and banged up Utah team like a top five team in the country should the Ducks looked like that at least on Saturday um but we'll see what they can do going forward Greg, what did you think? He sounds like you were in agreement. You thought this was an expected outcome. How did you feel about Oregon's performance? Yeah, it was great. I totally agree with Reed that this is the best they've looked in the landing era. Um, I don't think the uh, the result would have made would have been any different in Autzen. I think we'd have the exact same score. <laughs> uh, there were no moments in this game where the crowd affected the game. Like I guess there were a few false starts and delay of games that the crowd probably forced, but like didn't affect Oregon at all. They scored on those drives anyway. So I, I don't see how it would be any different unless Lanning maybe wants to put on a show. And they could have scored more. Oregon absolutely could have scored more. Uh, they got whatever they wanted against the Utah defense. And that is the most impressive thing from this game for me. Going into it, I 100% expected Utah to not have a pulse offensively against Oregon. That felt like the most likely outcome. It's what we saw. Good on Oregon for doing what they're supposed to do. Offensively, however, I thought they would struggle a lot more than they did. And I'll talk a little bit more about the Utah defense when we get to Utah. But for now, just praise for Oregon. It was great. Like, Bonix is just such a great... Like, he keeps his head so well, which is hilarious to think about given who he used to be. But there were some moments in this game where, when on the rare occasion that Utah did get pressure... Uh, he would just dodge a guy and still somehow thread the needle between two uh, two DBs. I think he hit Troy Franklin in the end zone on a play like that. It was very impressive. He's great. Troy Franklin, despite the drops, was uh, was great in this game. Tez Johnson was great at finding holes in the zone, which there were many, but he did a great job. Just the the offense looks like a well oiled machine, and I haven't even mentioned the best player, Bucky Irving, looked incredible. He was playing a different game than everybody else on the field. Uh, very difficult to tackle. I've never seen so many guys dive at somebody's ankles. Like he just the way he manages to manipulate defenders is extremely impressive. And uh, yeah, that Oregon offense is nasty. The O line too. I didn't mention them, but they were pushing Utah around. Matt, what about you? What did you think of Oregon's performance? You were you surprised by what they did here? You feel like uh, this was this was a stunning performance to you? You feel like this made sense? No, not at all. I this this I, I tweeted it at like eight a.m. that this had exactly equal vibes to when Utah lost at TCU forty-seven to seven back in twenty ten. Oregon is just a much better team. Ex- and explain that because well, explain that in the Utah section. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, like it. It just it. 
Oregon is just a much better team. Oregon is a, especially offensively, they are so well balanced and ha- can beat you in every possible way offensively that the only way you're going to beat them is if you have much better players. And Oregon, Utah, as much as we joke about them being Georgia or Alabama at home, is not Georgia or Alabama on the roster. So even if they have a really balanced defense, which right now they do not because of all the injuries, like it, it just is what it is. Like Oregon's just a much better team. I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac 12. And I think that we should just be happy that Dan Lanning didn't get the opportunity to lose this game. <laughs> yeah, Oregon's this is a dominant performance from Oregon. Like this is I think probably the most impressive result of the season. I think considering that it's in Salt Lake City, considering Listen. that I mean that Oregon beat Utah pretty much identically score wise and just stylistically to the way they beat Stanford in Palo Alto. Uh it was it was a disgusting performance. Uh, it felt like their lines were just pushing the shit out of Utah's line, defensive line. Uh, it was. It, it felt like Bucky Irving had like just miles ahead of him to run. I don't think I was not impressed with Bucky Irving because it was just so goddamn easy. Honestly, like I, it was it was a nasty performance in the trenches. Like it was a horrific performance in the trenches for um, for Oregon in a good way. Um, Bo Nix, a, a fantastic player, pretty much negates. I, I have zero idea how to evaluate Oregon's offensive line and pass protection because Bo Nix just gets the ball out so fucking fast. Like it is, and it's not like I don't think it's just like a like a Bo Nix is just throwing it to four or five yards. Like I think he's making very very quick reads um, that aren't just like screen passes or whatever. Yeah, they're a little bit shorter. They're at the average depth of target. It's not like amazing. It's not going to blow anyone away. But he's getting the ball out to where it needs to go quickly. Um, and I don't think that they're just single read sort of things where he's just throwing it, throwing screen passes a la Cam Ward at Washington State. Like, I think he's actually doing some pretty uh, pretty complex stuff in a very, very short amount of time. It just helps out uh, Oregon when they, ha- when they have the ability to do that. And, yeah, I mean, I guess for me it's just this was like one on the trenches defensively. It's hard to it's hard to say very much about this Oregon performance because we know what Utah is offensively. At the same time, they only gave up two field goals, uh, and giving up two field goals to any team is impressive, regardless of their quality. So mm. <laughs> we'll get to Utah in a, in a little bit. But any other thoughts about? I, go Reed, ahead. Reed's gonna freak out about that that pass pro comment. It, Reed, the most important person in pass protection is the quarterback. You need to admit that. You need to be honest about that. Yes, Utah's offensive line is a very good offensive line, and they're getting shredded because they don't have a balanced offense, and their quarterback sucks. Like, Bonix greatly impacts his, impacts the pass pro. In a positive way. Yes. But- Go ahead. Go ahead, Reed. <laughs> But it's it's not like we look at Oregon's offensive line and say, uh, is is this Wazoo's offensive line? I can't quite tell. <laughs> like, are are they good at all? I don't know. It's like they're a good offensive line. They're a, they're a very good offensive line. We know this. What? Yes. Bonix yeah. is good at Bonix is very good too at at avoiding sacks. But it's also a good offensive line. It's okay to say that. I, I but I just don't know how good it is. Right? Like, is it like either way? It doesn't matter. Like, 
I'm not sure we'll ever find out how good, what the ceiling of Oregon's pass protection is because they never, Bo Nix never needs to drop back and have six seconds to figure out or three seconds or four seconds to figure out where he's going to throw because it's like within an instant he can figure out uh, where he's got to, where he's got to throw. And it just contrasts. And uh, Greg has talked about this. Matt has talked about this. Like it just con- is a stark contrast to like Bryson Barnes. Right. And we'll get to Utah in a second, but he just takes forever to go through his reads. Bo Nix is doing it like like that, right? Like I think he's doing it much faster than anyone else in the Pac-12 is. Um, but I don't know. This is a, a dominant performance. Oregon looks like the best team in the Pac-12, and I know that's going to piss off a bunch of Washington fans. I would hope. I think Washington fans are even coming around to the fact that Oregon just looks better than Washington does right now. Uh, yeah, I know they've got the one win over Oregon. They know they've got that one win, but they also know, and we'll get to Washington a little bit later. They don't look good right now. Uh, this that team has a, a bit of a bit of USC stink on them, um, frankly. And it's very funny they're going to play USC. Oregon is just like beating the shit out of everyone in front of them. Um, they are going to get tested soon. Here, we're actually going to see them play some good teams that are not Washington. Utah is a pretty good team. I think they're probably uh, flawed in some serious ways. Number, but you're talking about the number one team in your power rankings last week. Yeah, Utah. Okay. What? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Okay. I'm, I'm just checking. Uh, no one, no one cares about what I said last week. Not even me. you do. <laughs> no, you care. I don't even remember what I put together last week. Um, any other thoughts about this Oregon performance? I mean, I don't know. It's just so hard to talk about it when it was just like, yeah, they beat the shit out of them. Um, any other thoughts about them though? I West Texas Mike is talking about how it's wild that Bo Nix is performing like a thirty-year-old who has started more college football games at quarterback than anyone ever. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is pretty unbelievable how good players can be once their brains are fully developed, right? Like that's, that, that really is impressive and helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's true. I don't know. I hate this. Like, oh man, like it's so expected because he's super old. They, they, we said this about DTR last year. Who cares? He's a great player. We just appreciate the great players that Not are playing who college. Cares. It's just like their body developing. It's the same thing. Their brains too. I mean, twenty-nine-year-old <laughs> yeah. Cam Rising next year in the Big Twelve is going to be generational. I think. <laughs> Listen, but wait until you see what he does at thirty-three. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just well, you if, wait. If we have nothing else about Oregon, let's move over to the Utah side of this. Uh, Utah loses their second game this season. They dropped three and two in Pac-12 play, six and two overall. Had a brutal outing offensively and defensively. Matt, let's start with you. What were your takeaways from Utah's performance? I really not much. I mean, I continue to be incredibly disappointed in in Jaquin and Jackson this year. Um, I know he's banged up. I know he's hurt, but like it, he doesn't have a burst through a hole where he's breaking arm tackles through the hole, and he has no lateral quickness. I, there's really not one thing that he's been able to develop that he can rely on right now. He's just a very stand up straight line runner and i think that that's a little bit disappointing obviously like i understand it's really hard to have lateral quickness with a bad ankle and all that kind of stuff but like he's a big dude i'd really would like to see him breaking more tackles bursting through the hole that he's falling on every single one of them runs that could easily be 10 12 15 yards or three and four and i think that that's pretty disappointing i mean otherwise like i just there's really not much for me to take away from this. I, you can talk about the defense not being as great as they were. 
they're missing two of their best players and like Oregon has the best offense in the country. Like the only reason that USC has a better rated like offense in the country is because they have the the Heisman trophy winner returning. And that still goes into all the metrics. Like they are going to roll out of bed and they're going to score 35. Like it's fine. It, it just is what it is. So, um, I tweeted my, my clip from last week of how like Utah's not a good team, but they're going to go nine and three and they're going to somehow get into the Pac-12 championship game and they're going to beat whoever's ass they play there. Like I, nothing really changes here for me. Like this is the same team that I think we saw against Oregon state. It's the same thing that we saw last week. It's the same team we're going to see next week and they're going to go nine and three. (laughs) Greg, you were talking a little bit about how you were disappointed in the defense part of this. You want to say a little bit more about Utah's defense? Yeah, I, I think the pr- the biggest problem for me with this game is I forgot basically when I was picking the game about the absence of Lander Barton, and I think it was just glaringly obvious that he didn't play this game because of the way Oregon likes to play offense, which is they'll just take the easy yards. You know, if you leave a guy open five yards in, they're so happy to take those five yards, and normally Utah has Lander Barton in those spots to cover up those guys or make the tackle immediately and he's very reliable no lander barton it wasn't as good i still think utah's other linebackers in karene reed and lavani damuni are good but they're not lander barton and that i think was a big part of why everything was just so ridiculously easy for oregon the secondary as well was just not as good as they've been in like weeks past again this is a great offense like matt said great quarterback and you weren't getting any pressure so it's an impossible task but they got shredded um and that one i think you can't blame injuries quite as much because the secondary has been pretty healthy uh maybe sioni vaki playing offensively hurts what he can do defensively but i don't think that had a bit of big effect because he wasn't in on offense as much in this game as he has been in the past. Uh, I think Oregon showed that if you can get the ball out quick against Utah, you you can do whatever you want against them without Lander Barton, that is. Uh, and I don't want to say that like without Lander Barton, that takes away from the Oregon performance, because I don't think it does. I think they'd have scored all over Utah regardless. But I don't think we're going to see the same Utah defense going forward that we have at the beginning of the year. And just one more thing on the offense. Bryson Barnes, I have never seen a slower football player. Like, and I don't mean slow athletically, but like just in terms of how quickly he makes decisions. It takes him as much time to choose to throw to a wide open Devon Vele as it does for Bo Nix to read the entire field twice. It's, ah, it hurts to watch. I don't know how much longer I can do it. Uh, yeah, this is tough. It's a tough game. I still think Utah's going nine and three. Also, though, and I kind of, I think I think Washington should be worried about the Utah game. Yes, uh, yes. So I, I was just gonna say. Okay, so like your point about like Oregon will take the yards that you give them, right? Like Oregon is happy to drive five yards at a time. They had a three percent explosive play rate. That's fourth percentile in this game. Like Utah limited the explosive plays. Why? How do you think they beat USC? Mm-hmm. Like if Utah can continue to defensively limit the explosive plays, I I think they have a great shot against Washington. I have, I think they have a great shot against the Arizona schools. Still, like I think they're gonna beat the shit out of Colorado. Like, if they I, decide to finally start <laughs> blitzing like in earnest, like Morgan Scally in the past has loved to do hasn't quite as much this year, and the pressure has suffered as a result. If he does that against Washington, 
Michael Penix under pressure is not the same guy as Bo Nix under pressure. He's not as good uh, in those situations. So I'm, I, I'd be worried if I was a Washington fan. Still favor them in the game, but like very, very possible Utah gets them there. Yeah, I think simultaneously this game like tells me like really puts into perspective how fucking insane of a coaching job this has been by the Utah coaching staff this year yeah. <laughs> and like how complete of a team Oregon is. Like mm-hmm. Oregon is a really, really good team. A really good team. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's just, I think to your point, this is just a bad matchup for Utah. Like probably the worst possible matchup you could concoct for a Utah team because their offensive line is not great. And I don't think Oregon... I think the I, offensive line is actually pretty good. I think... <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think this was their fault. Maybe it was. Oh yeah, probably it was not the their fault. The quarterback is so bad. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I think that is a big part of it. But defensively, I think I think it's I think it's I think Utah would much rather play a team that relies on explosives. Um, much rather play a team that tries to get stuff going on downfield rather than a team that's going to try to beat the shit out of you in the in the trenches. I mean, we kind of saw this with Oregon State, although ironically, Oregon State, it was like they had to figure it out with DJ Uyunglele, and they did. Um, but I sort of feel like that's just a bad matchup for Utah because I agree. Like, my initial thinking about all this has been, I think they have a pretty good shot at beating Washington because, I mean, we'll get to Washington a little bit later, but Washington's offense, you can sort of disrupt it with a decent pass rush and the ability to limit explosive plays. Oregon doesn't give a shit about explosive plays. Utah will be pretty good at that. But there's no point. Uh, Oregon doesn't try to go for explosive plays. They're not exactly hunting explosive plays. Their best, I don't know, it feels like their best shot at an explosive play is like break Bucky Irving breaking a big one, right? Um, so, wow. Didn't matter if they were trying to uh, limit their explosive plays because Oregon's just going to try to beat you seven, eight, nine yards at a time, right? So, I don't know. I think this is a horrible matchup for Utah. Um, but, Reed, what did you think about Utah's performance in this one? I have a lot of Utah thoughts. Uh, I'll start shout out to the Utah fans who told me Jaquinda Jackson had to be on the same tier as Bucky Irving preseason. Uh, <laughs> absolutely delusional <laughs> shit from them. Um, the, the Utah offensive line... It's pretty good. It's not great. I mean, they didn't run the ball that well. I get that, you know, you have a quarterback who can't do much there. Now Utah fans know how we felt with Anthony Brown two years ago. <laughs> this yeah. is still worse than Anthony Brown, though. It is. I will say it's that. St- <laughs> that's, that's true. Now now put Anthony Brown's second backup <laughs> and, out there. And that's what Utah's dealing with right now. Ty, so Ty, Ty Thompson? No? No? Well, it's just, Ty Thompson's <laughs> but, but, backup. Is what? is what we're dealing with? Well, is that uh, who was that? Was that Robbie Ash? What was his name? Yeah. Robbie Ashel something Butterworth or something? I can't remember. <laughs> One of those guys that, whose name we don't even know. <laughs> yeah. uh, How many pigs did he raise? <laughs> Go yeah, ahead, Reed. Sorry. I, Anthony Brown's lowlights are generational, though. I mean, that diving out about <laughs> like the worst of the worst for Anthony Brown is is really special. Um. Anyways, I think the Utah defense. Uh, they just. Not the same unit uh, without my depoy pick, Lander Barton, uh, like Greg said. Um, front seven isn't dominant at all. Uh, they're they're good, but they're not dominant. And then the corners are like a real step down from the Utah standard recently. And I think especially um, they're just like they were getting burned by Troy Franklin over the middle and Tez Johnson. They're not as fluid athletically as past Utah corners have been as Clark Phillips was. Uh, they've got some straight line speed. They can, you know, be physical if you want to just run go routes on them, but they can't cover over the middle consistently. Uh, and that 
was the opportunity that broke this thing open where Oregon had more easy yards in the pass game. And when they had easy yards in the pass game, Utah couldn't load the box as much, and Oregon's offensive line was good enough to win, you know, hat on a hat in the run game. Um, when they didn't, Bucky was good enough to break a tackle or two. Like, things just opened up because this Utah team is not complete, uh, and they are worse than the last few years. And will they go 9-3? and three? Maybe. Uh, that's With three conference losses, they're not making a conference title game, though. They're just not. Bet. Mm-hmm. bet. We can bet. We bet. can bet. You want to bet? I mean, <laughs> you want to bet if he does in I, Vegas? Well, listen, what Washington, do you want to put on it? Listen, me figuring out a way for Washington to lose three games over the next four is is going to be tough. Okay, but I will put that together. I mean, uh, but it's not crazy. They play USC, Utah, and Oregon State. Two of those games on the road. Uh, I here's the problem. Here's my problem. Uh, what's different about this Utah team is if they do go to get, get go nine and three and get into a Pac-12 title game, which is not crazy considering USC could falter. Um, you know, Washington, they ha- get Washington. Washington's USC got a tough falter go. and win nine and three. Is that what you mean by falter for USC? Yeah. <laughs> they mess around and actually win nine games. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just sort of, I feel like they will have to play Oregon again. And I, it, it will not. It will be the same game. It'll be twenty twenty one, Oregon Utah, but in complete reverse, right? It'll be a neutral site, so it'll be like thirty five to nine or thirty two to six or something like that. But it'll be the same game. So I think the Utah Zombie Pac twelve championship uh, narrative stuff is is dead unless Cam Rising is like. Hey, fuck it! I'm gonna play this back to title game. Why Oregon not? could still miss the title so, game, which yeah. would be also, really funny. <laughs> also, like Greg, as far as the hey, fuck it, is Rose healthy? I have heard that he's like almost back. Like the reason that he's not playing now is more to do with the fact that he hasn't had reps since fall camp than health. I think they're just gonna ride with Bryson Barnes. I would love to see uh, Brandon Rose though. Yeah, that that could actually be like fairly significant. Yeah, yeah, we'll see a how guy that who can actually throw. I will, yeah, I will say all of the reporting and like everything that happened about Cam Rising was about his performance on scout team when he first came to Utah, and like we've heard the exact same shit about Rose. Exact same shit. Interesting. So, well, your your I think Rose might be your really take good. on Nate Johnson was surely measured and accurate in the end. So. <laughs> Grow up, Reed. I don't, I don't um, think that was necessary. Utah that was pretty uncalled for. Utah ends with Arizona State at Washington at Arizona, home against Colorado. Ooh, that might be two losses there. Oh, could lose every game. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're losing. I I feel comfortable that they're not losing to Colorado, but there they're is not a, losing to Colorado on Senior Day. Right, no way. they're not. There's a non-zero chance they lose to Arizona State, given what we know about them and how Arizona State looks. I would pick utah games in salt lake city but it's a non-zero chance uh, because arizona state's defense is genuinely very good um i think it's a zero chance <laughs> okay okay uh um, they're not winning arizona state's just been com- arizona state's just been competitive in every single game it's played so and then they get at washington which is hard because it's in seattle but Washington looks vulnerable because again they can limit Utah can limit explosive plays and they play at Arizona which will be very hard. Um, that will be a truly challenging game. Like Arizona, it's funny that you two, Greg and Matt, have said like, "Oh man, this Utah team is reminds me so much of my the 2016 like 2015 Utah teams." It's like a blast from the past. It's nostalgia. 
going to get a pretty nasty taste of nostalgia if that's true, because during those times, they had a notoriously bad time against Arizona teams. They also had a notoriously bad time in November. They get both Arizona teams (laughs) in November. Um, (laughs) So we're about to see, like, it's either we're either getting 2022, 21 zombie Utah Pac-12 champs, or we're getting 2016 bad November Utah, bad Arizona Utah. And my narrative will be that they are playing with 40 scholarship players right now. They have 40 (laughs) active scholarship players, and it'll be fine. Whatever. Quick question. I kept seeing this thing, and people, I think people outside of Utah don't understand this. I kept seeing this thing before the game. Kyle Whittingham referred to it. You all said this was reminiscent of a 40-7-7 to loss to TCU in 2010. What was, what's what's the comparison here? What's the deal? That is the only game in my life that I have ever asked to leave early. I was eight years old, and I was like, Dad, can we go home? This sucks. <laughs> never again has it happened. Never before did it happen. But it's it sticks in my mind a lot just for some more context before Matt talks about why that yeah, game Greg was four years sticks old, around. Right? I was eight, okay? That's twice as many. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Matt. Explain this away as the resident old guy, even though I'm older than so, you. Okay, 2010 was the peak of Utah G5 power, right? Like, especially that you've got, like, the announcement that you're going to the Pac-12 and had very, like, everything about it is so similar as far as, like, this year Utah is going to the Big 12. And so, like, you're talking about, like, this idea of you get to leave on a high, you've won the conference the last three years, you're easily the power of the conference and, and frankly, of the entire, like, division, the entire G5 division, and so Utah goes into this game against TCU. This was the that ginger headed fuck uh, TCU. Yeah, the Andy Dalton, <laughs> uh, yeah. Horn Frogs. Mm-hmm. Um, they so this was when they were in, and so they both come in undefeated. Utah's like a four point underdog, I think. Like, but it was very similar. And the game day comes. Everybody's talking about how hard it is to win in Salt Lake City. Everybody's like, look, TC is a better team, but obvious nobody loses at home. Like Utah doesn't lose at home, all this shit. And there was like legitimate expectations of you win this game, you get another undefeated season after the 2008 season, like one year removed, and then you get to go into the Pac-12 on a high. And within three minutes, TCU is up 14 to nothing. Utah has not gotten a first down. Like, just an absolute ass-kicking. It was 47-7. to I don't even think TCU scored in the fourth quarter. Like, a complete and total ass-kicking. And all of the vibes leading up to this game. Fucking Kyle Whittingham driving a goddamn motorcycle and wearing a cutoff. It, let alone going on the Pat McAfee show, but becoming Pat McAfee's grandpa. Like, what the <laughs> shit was that? Like, everything about it, how much everybody was just loving on Utah. And it was a complete and total, like, if Utah wins this game, it might be one of the biggest weekends, like, from a recording, re- from a recruiting standpoint outside of winning the Pac-12 championship that Utah's ever had. And very similar to 2010, the game was over within three minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. Just a complete and total ass kicking. And this game, so Utah, the other things with it, like Utah wore these god-awful like salute-to-service uniforms. The worst uniforms we've ever worn. They were black <laughs> with like camo accents, and then all the last names were replaced with like service and gra- like Ugh. love and brotherhood and all that bullshit. Like... They're the absolutely terrible uniforms. Jordan Wynn's shoulder blew out. Like mm-hmm. it was 
easily top five worst day. The joke around Utah football is that like no no such game existed. Like they cannot recall a time where Utah played TCU in 2010. It did not exist. It did not happen. This is the first week I've seen Utah fans acknowledge that game happened since it happened. <laughs> Just because it reminded us so much of it. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, Utah loses TCU, I guess, 2010 part two. So that is cool. But we'll see how they how do. How much Maybe. I fucking hate TCU. Like, like the feeling that all of you assholes get whenever you see a like very long a, a, a Stanford wide receiver with 17 syllables in his last name. <laughs> That's the feeling I get when Utah is playing a better team and game day is coming. That's the exact same feeling I get. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, that actually helps me put that into perspective quite nicely. I'm pretty sure Reed and I can relate to that. All right. Well, that is Utah. That is Oregon. We'll see how these two... Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Oregon uh, in, a, in a couple segments in our Halloween-themed segments. But for now, let's move on to another big result this weekend. Arizona beats number 11 Oregon State in Tucson 27-24. This was a magnificent game. Uh, lots of Drug defense. Drug of choice. Lots of defense. Lots of back and forth. Arizona and Oregon State were in a dead heat for a good chunk of this one until Arizona went up by two scores, 27-17, to 17, thanks to a bruising run game and drive behind Jonah Coleman and DJ Williams. Oregon State, though, did not die. They quickly drove down the field and scored a touchdown with about 90 seconds left thanks to some DJ Uyunglele brilliance. And they nearly recovered the onside kick, but Arizona took over, won the game with their running backs, and left the field to the second straight win over a ranked team. This was a close, close contest, but uh, contest, but Arizona did emerge the victor, so let's start with them. Let's start with Reed. Reed, you watched this game. What did you think of Arizona's performance against Oregon State? This was an awesome win for Arizona. This is probably the signature win of the Jed Fish era. There have been like a lot of positive signs pointing towards this program moving in the right direction, obviously. Uh, but it kind of all came together. Uh, as we've talked about over and over again, the change to Fafita was the thing that really has unlocked this team the past few weeks. Um, but they straight up matched up well against Oregon State. Like, this wasn't a fluke result. This wasn't some spooky shit in the desert with a top 10 team just coming out flat. I'd pick Arizona in this game, you know, if it was played tomorrow. I'd pick them, uh, you know, on a neutral site, I think, even, maybe. Uh, or at least pick them to be competitive again. Like, they played, they matched Oregon State 100%. Um they're pretty good on the line to scrimmage, honestly. Like they didn't lose that battle as much as uh, this Arizona team should be get should lose it, given where they were a few years ago. Um, the receivers are great. They were a matchup problem. Like Cowling and McMillan are an excellent one to it receiver uh, against a Beaver defense that I think has taken a step down from last year. We can say. Um, yeah, just a, a really complete performance that helped them get a close win over a good Oregon State team. Uh, well, shout out to Fish for not blowing this one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, uh, man, Greg, I know you didn't have a chance to do it. Arizona took control of this game up 27-17. Uh, they get blown they get blown by uh, Oregon State in that final drive, and people are Arizona has a chance to ice this game up three, and people are sort of wondering – okay, what are they, what's, what are they going to do? Uh, or actually, I think they were up three, right? And they were about to, it was like uh, 20 to 17 and they had the ball. They had stopped Oregon State. 
and people were sort of wondering, myself being like, is Jetfish about to do the stupidest shit we've ever seen? Is Jetfish about to be a fucking idiot? Like, the biggest fucking idiot we've ever seen. You know what he did? He just ran the ball, like, eight straight times. Oregon State-level shit, honestly. He just fucking ran the ball. That was all he did. And it was it was perfect. Jonah Coleman, DJ Williams, bowled over Oregon State defenders. Um, Oregon State got manhandled by Arizona's offensive line and got bowled over by those two big, big bruising running backs. Michael Wiley did come back, but didn't get very many carries, was more utilized in the passing game. Um, but Jonah Coleman and DJ Williams just trucked dudes. Um, frankly, I think the big knock against Jed Fish in this game, the big moron Jed Fish moment, he should have ran the ball more. Uh, DJ Williams and Jonah Coleman were getting damn near whatever they wanted. I think about like 12 minutes into the fourth quarter and before that run, they had only ran the ball like nine times between those two. And they were getting like seven yards per carry. So that was maybe the big knock against Arizona. But Arizona's only glaring obvious weakness this season is their coaching, like, you know, their in-game coaching. Jed Fish is a, I think Jed Fish, we've talked about this, a fantastic Sunday through Friday coach, a very shaky Saturday coach. Outside of that, they're, they look complete as hell. Uh, they, their defense is good. I do genuinely think this is an impressive performance against a very, very good Oregon State offense. Damn near elite Oregon State offense. An Oregon State offense that gets whatever it wants in the run game, gets that has a quarterback that can take advantage of most secondaries. Frankly, he's that good. I do think DJU is a good player. He did not play a bad game in this game. I think he did pretty well. Um, They have a good running game, a very solid offensive line. Their quarterback is completely, totally at minimum decent to probably very good. And their receivers kick ass. And now their running game kicks ass. Um, It's a scary team. They they look like a buzzsaw right now. Uh, They look... And to your point, Reed, this was not a fluky, bad vibes, cursed, like Oregon State's turning the ball over three times and Arizona's doing some stupid shit too. Like, this was a good football game. If ESPN, I, I tweeted this out, if ESPN did not, like, put their G team and uh, a broadcast team on this and, like, didn't have the worst production of any Pac-12 football team I've seen this season, Pac-12 football game that I've seen this season – we would be talking about this as like kind of one of the best games of the Pac-12 season, maybe the second best game behind Oregon and Washington. This was an unbelievable game because both these teams, I actually felt a little bit better about Oregon State than I did coming into this game because I felt like this was a good game. This was a good performance. They they did not look like garbage. Hmm. Their defense held up for 80% of this game. Their offense was struggling against a very good Arizona team, but they did not make any mistakes. DJU played well. So, I don't know. I think this is a fantastic game, and I think Arizona Arizona looks looks dangerous. Um, they look very, very scary. Matthew Hubertson, sounds like you had something to say. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to get in before Reed lost his shit on you. Um, I So, I went through. I, I was able to watch, like, the quick cut of the game. Um, I am, first of all, like, from the Oregon State side, I think that this is actually pretty, not entirely demoralizing for you, but I, I, this really felt like a hitting your head against the ceiling um, type of game to me. Um, I, I felt like DJ had a pretty good game, and you look at the numbers, and they are not good. Um, I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I think that it really just highlights how much like Oregon State just does not have the weapons in the past game, yes. and especially when you see the weapons that Arizona had on the other side. I felt like that was especially highlighted. 
I also think that like, while this offense is good for Arizona, this offense is definitely very good. It, it should be able to be stopped by a good by a good defense and by a good team. And so I think that if you are Oregon State, you're coming in here and you're being like, man, we did not have the weapons to be a defense that is solid but not great. And our defense wasn't good enough to beat an offense that is solid, not great. And I think that that, I think that, that feels pretty disappointing, uh, specifically after you know you've you've been able to beat Utah, and you've been able to beat you know a UCLA and and be in a good spot here. They beat UCLA, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I think that this is a game that feels pretty demoralizing, and especially as you look forward to the rest of their schedule with Oregon and Washington. I don't know how you have much hope <laughs> to to be able to beat those two teams right now if you're Oregon State. I think that that um, is kind of a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just uh, just wanted to pivot to Arizona, but go ahead and finish up with that. <clears throat> as far as Arizona goes, though, it is so much fun to see who this team actually is. Yeah, Their, the quarterback before covered up everything. Good and bad, right? Like you talk about the fact that it's like Avery said that Arizona has been so close to a huge win for years. It's been it's so cool they finally did it, and then the immediate follow up was that they beat number eight UCLA last year. Yeah, a fluky <laughs> win where again number seven covered up everything. Right, like was able to just have the game of his life. Everything along those lines. It is very very fun. Even though I don't feel like the ceiling may be a little bit lower, maybe only slightly though. Like it is very fun to see what this Arizona team actually has become because it's not so volatile out of the quarterback position. It's it's very very fun to see, and I think if you're an Arizona fan, you should be. This is the payoff, right? This is the payoff of the last two years, and like staring yourself in the mirror and being like, "It's getting better. I can feel it's getting better." I know the numbers don't say it. I know the win record doesn't say it. I know it doesn't like it's not very clear, and maybe it's all just because of this quarterback that is winning these games when we shouldn't. Like. It, there is real, you know, the the proof of concept statement that that gets thrown around all the time. This was a great, great Arizona game. Yeah, this was substance. This was substantively mm-hmm. like, again, no flukes. They just they just played a really good, clean, smart, efficient football game on both sides. Greg, you were kind of catching up. Uh, what did you think of Arizona in this one? Um, I I watched this game this morning on the quick cut, like Matt. I don't have a lot of Arizona thoughts except for as a Jedfish hater, which is what I am. <laughs> it was tough for me to see him outcoach Jonathan Smith. That hurt me. Uh, um, yeah, we'll get to some Jonathan Smith decisions because, oh, boy. I have a question about that Jonathan Smith decision, one in particular, but yeah. I'll ask it when we get to Oregon State. Yeah. Uh, overall, y'all, y'all said it all. I think there's just not a lot to take away from this except that Arizona's legit good and it's sad for Oregon State. Yeah. They're legit good because they have just been, I mean, like this whole season, they've been competitive with some of the best teams that they've had to play. Um, and and frankly, we're going to have to say this is going to be, this is a very tired narrative, but it also it's extremely true. They they might be, you know, they're five and three right now. They might be six and two, maybe seven and one if they start Noah Fafita from the jump, right? He comes they beat in. Mississippi State for sure. He they beat Mississippi State. He's coming in for his first start ever um, against Washington, a tough Washington game, and they're trying to limit him. He looks a lot more comfortable now. I think he could do a lot more than what he was being asked to do against Washington. That result, I don't know if it flips because Washington did look better for a good chunk of that game. Um, but like maybe that flips. Maybe you flip USC because you give Noah Fafita a little bit more to do. 
I don't know. I don't know what to think about the what would have happened in the past, but I do know that Noah Fafita is a really solid, smart quarterback. Did have one really tough throw, but like besides that, a clean game from him. Um, Arizona's Arizona's scary. They are a buzzsaw right now. This is like, you know, outside of Oregon, this is the one other Pac-12 team I think you would not want to play right now if you were any other Pac-12 team. Hell, if you're Oregon, the one team you probably don't want to play right now is Arizona, if I'm being honest. Like, it's a scary-ass team. Now, the rest of their schedule, they... I, I we got to wait to see what the lines are. We got to wait to see what SP Plus says in terms of like trying to figure out what the what the predicted scores is and, uh, and the projections are and stuff like that. Arizona might be favored in every single game going forward. They play. They host UCLA next week. They host UCLA next week. I have never felt more confident in a UCLA loss. That is that is a team that will beat UCLA because UCLA is one sided. Arizona is balanced. They go at Colorado. Who gives a shit? Colorado sucks. They host Utah, another very unbalanced team that is, you know, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more injured and hurt than uh, they were a couple weeks ago. And then they play at Arizona State, which you know all bets are off with those two because that's just like fucking zombie shit right there. There's no more cursed rivalry game in the Pac-12 than the Territorial Cup. But um, <laughs> they should on paper beat Arizona State. They will be favored against Arizona State. So. I'm not saying that they're going to like completely, totally run the table, but I, I think it's not off the table that they run the table. I don't. I think it is not crazy that they finish nine and three. I think that is uh, not it, insane at all. It pains me to say this. Is this Arizona team 2021 Utah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> because I'm seeing a, a lot of parallels. That. I'm seeing a lot of parallels. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm really having a hard time connecting the wide receiver rooms right now. Yeah, well, that's you just the one, swap one receivers thing. for tight ends. You swap yeah. receivers for tight ends, and it becomes the same thing. Oh, <laughs> goddamn. Yeah, maybe. Wow. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. The the primary parallel I think we're all thinking about is Charlie Fafita Brewer starting. Yeah. yeah, Charlie Brewer starting in 2021 against uh, uh, 2021 that season. He gets hurt, I guess, gets benched or something for Cam Rising. Cam Rising comes in and kicks ass. You know, and Cam Rising kind of has the same narrative, like, oh, you know, it's kind of limited, but like he can he can figure it out. He's just winning games. He's like a, a gamer or whatever. No Fafita has kind of the same stuff going for him right now. <laughs> um Yeah, God, what a comparison. What a comparison. They finished the season nine and three. They there's a uh, they would be seven and two in conference exactly because they only have the the, the one two conference com- lo- the two conference two right losses now? Washington and USC uh, Washington USC USC I forgot they blew that game God <laughs> fucking damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh man what a comparison what a comparison um, Arizona shade they should be ranked I'm just gonna say it like they're getting punished they've been gotten punished for their losses for too long. They'll they be should be ranked. Today, right? They have to. Yeah. Be. They didn't. Get, they didn't get any votes last week. They need to be ranked. Um, they absolutely cannot. That was their fourth game against um, uh, against a ranked opponent. They lost by seven against Washington. Lost by two to USC in triple overtime. Beat the shit out of Washington State. One by three against a very good Oregon State Oregon State team. So Arizona, really fun times right now. I'm really excited to see what they do. And we saw glimpses of this in 2021 when arizona was one and 11 when they were just keeping up with teams they absolutely should not have kept up with uh with like 15 percent of the talent they have now 
Um, one last note. Did y'all see that uh, Justin flow celebration at the end of the game? <laughs> uh, I don't have it here, but posted. A, I, I posted it on uh, on my Twitter account at Equity Bruin. He just like it's in there and just violently grabs Jetfish and screams in his face and just screams nonsensically. <laughs> the funniest scream I've ever heard from like a six he's, foot college football player. <laughs> he's had some outstanding memes this year. He's done very well. <laughs> I just, you know, and he's kind of still the same player he was at Oregon, but it just works at Arizona. You know, it's like, okay, he's not the five star, like, you know, defensive player of the year that, you know, he was slated to be at Oregon. But, you know, and he's still kind of just like an aimless missile. Um, but it works <laughs> at Arizona. It really works. Jet Fish has really made it work. So good for him. Uh, let's shift over from bad times, from uh, great times to bad times here. Oregon State, they dropped their second conference game, another road game. Obviously, I don't think anyone is eliminated from conference contention. I don't think two, two losses is going to do it. But, Reed, let's start with you. What did you think of Oregon State's performance here against Arizona? This is a crushing loss for Oregon State. Uh, this is such a big game for them to stay in the conference title race in a year where, you know, they build themselves as a tier one contender. Um, and to lose on the road again, have it come up, have Jonathan Smith just do way too much at the end of the half on that fake, which we can get into more later. Um, but, you know, they just they they didn't assert themselves over an Arizona team that I think is is a you know about the 20th best team in the country uh from power rating perspective even not just from a poll perspective but oregon state looked like they were about in that same realm as well they didn't take that step up the defense looked worse than it was a year ago certainly um the offense is good you know i mean it is good uh they can still run the ball well dju and and that series from trials was awesome um (laughs) <laughs> there yeah there's some stuff there but they don't have any real threats outside like silas bolden's good for an explosive player two in a game but in terms of consistently winning on third and long that guy just doesn't exist on the roster for them uh and so given all those flaws i mean it's it's such a letdown because this was obviously a massive year for oregon state this was a chance to really do something and have a special season uh, at the end of the Pac-12, and now they're they're really have their backs against the walls. If they can beat Washington and Oregon at the end of the year, uh, yeah, they can save a special season. They might they might probably would make it to Vegas still, but that is a narrow narrow path for them. Uh, and even a game like at Colorado next weekend, like I don't think that they're going to lose that game. But given what they did against Wazoo and Arizona on the road now. And even that Cal game, like, how can you say 100% lock win for Oregon State? Because they just do weird shit. They don't come out on fire on the road, and then their coaches kind of, like, push themselves out of games, panic. Um, And I don't know. I I was bummed to not see them be, like, a fully in bold top 15 team in this game. They didn't look like it. I guess I disagree. I mean, I, okay, first of all, let me say this. It's demoralizing. It's deflating. I think you're absolutely right about that. They had Oregon State, uh, and we had these aspirations for Oregon State, had aspirations of being a legit Pac-12 title contender, a dark horse playoff entrant, you know? Like, I think we were sort of looking at the schedule. I was like, 11-1 and one is not crazy. Like, it's like a little bit of a stretch, but it's not insane, right? 
10 and 2, not crazy, a bit of a stretch. They are staring down the barrel of a, a of a two-loss season right now and or they they have a two-loss season right now staring down the barrel of Washington and Oregon. Um but I I think that this is still a quality team. I do think that this is still a top 15 team. Um I I think that they performed they did not like get blown out in this game. I would not necessarily think they got their asses kicked. I think their defense actually did perform pretty well. This is maybe their best performance defensively since Pac-12 play started. Um, and I also think offensively it was like, you know, they couldn't get the run game going. I think the run game is, is I wouldn't say it's broken right now, but I, I do think it's taken a bit of a step back from from previous seasons. It's very, very good. I think they probably should have ran the ball a little bit more. Deshaun Fenwick and Damian Martinez only combined for 18 carries. But their passing game uh, was completely fine. The problem is when you rely on your passing game, you're a little bit more liable to get th- go three and out, right? You throw it on first down like Jonathan Smith had done a couple of times this game, and then you're suddenly behind the sticks, and you got to throw it at least one more time, right? Like, I think that that did hurt. Um, what also hurt was, you know, I totally get the the value of putting Aiden Childs in and getting him some real reps in these situations, but you sort of wonder what that drive could have been if DJ Uyunglele were in, right? Like, do they now Aiden Childs had a really big play there and I think he did perform really, really well. Uh, but I don't know. Does that change anything? Right. His uh, his expected points added for his one drive was it's very noisy, but it was lower than DJ Uyungle lays over the course of the game. Um, little things like that at the margins really change it. Speaking of little things like that, that change things at the margins. <laughs> what the fuck? What was that? Uh, yeah. So Oregon <laughs> State decides to kick a field goal. Uh, first of all, I think it must be said, um, earlier in the game, they decided to kick a field goal and they got called for a delay of game. In that play, very important little context here, they got called for a delay of game, they attempt the field goal again, they make it. But in that delay of game call, they showed that they fa- they had a fake, right? Like, it, uh, the delay of game got called, but like they handed it off to Marcus Sappington. Uh, Attic- Marcus Sappington. Atticus Sappington. Um <laughs> They handed it off to Atticus Sappington uh, for a run, which was like crazy at the time. But it was like, oh, wow, they got a little fake there. That's interesting. Okay, well, now they just showed – they accidentally showed that to teams. Cool. (laughs) They get the ball uh, to end the half. They are in a position to get a field goal, about a 34-yarder or so. Uh, Two seconds left or one second left or however much it was. And they run that fake. To the kicker, Atticus Sappington, from like 40 yards out. They were expecting him to get a 40-yard touchdown. How on earth do you expect a man named Atticus Sappington (laughs) to run for 40 (laughs) yards and score a touchdown? What are you doing? What in the just the most galaxy brain bad shit play call I've ever seen? That's some shit. That's some Jetfish shit. By it the way. Is. <laughs> Are you trying to say that that you should take three points at the end of a half? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> was it a poor decision? Not to do not, that, was it a poor decision to not take three points at the end of the half? Well, I think the they only lost by three, so it wasn't significant. I, I think I think the difference is um, that if you're gonna do that, do that with not your kicker r- trying to run the ball from <laughs> trying to generate an explosive play with your fucking kicker. Uh, last I checked, Dan Landing did not have Camden Lewis uh, try to convert a 40-yard touchdown. <laughs> you sure? It's Are you sure? Here's what happened. They saw something on film. They saw that one of the 
lineman on kick coverage for uh, Arizona commits a certain way in film. And they were like, there's going to be a gap on this side of the line. We're going to drop this fake. The issue is they had the fake and they felt the need to use it and force it into the game plan when there's just mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. fucking place for it. Like they even, try, like you said, they tried it, put it on tape, showed Arizona that it was in there. And then at the end of the half, it's just a panic. It's just like, oh shit. Oh, oh, we have this fake. We have to use this. If we don't use this, we'll regret it. And it's like, what are you doing? Your kicker is not, like, your kicker is not going to run it 30 fucking <laughs> yards for a touchdown with no time left. You can't even, like, they couldn't even convert the fourth down and have another shot because there's literally three seconds left in the half. Like, how, how oh, is, do you call that? that? Oh, is the math different because it's end of half? <laughs> from the 16, the I know you're not watching the games, but from the 16, it's different. Um, uh, yeah, but... Anyway, so the leading, so now because of that, uh, the leading rusher for Oregon State on yards per carry was actually Attic Sappington. That's <laughs> <laughs> nine yards per carry on his one carry, <laughs> better than any other player on Oregon State. But we joke, but the so difference funny in, they lost by the three. difference so in funny. this game was three points. <laughs> uh, it was not. Um, it was <laughs> crazy stuff. I cannot believe that that's what he decided. I'm told that's playing the results, Carlos. <laughs> and, and come on now. <laughs> uh, and even Rod Gilmore was like, "What? What are they thinking here?" Rod Gilmore was like, "Why would they run that?" He was incredulous <laughs> on the call. Um, it was crazy. It was funny. It's also sad because, again, Oregon State loses by three in overtime. You never know what happens. Oregon State has the team to be able to to pull this off in overtime. Um, tough stuff for Oregon State. Uh, we will see what happens to them. They've got Colorado, Oregon State, Washington, Oregon in that order. <sighs> if they manage to somehow beat Washington and Oregon, <laughs> uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, Grace says in the chat, having Damian Martinez come into a kick a field goal probably would uh, would give them up. Doesn't matter because the last comment we put up says Fish knew they were faking it anyway. <laughs> Might as well just tell them you're faking. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, crazy stuff. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts about or Arizona, Oregon State? Why didn't we run the ball more? Why does Damian <laughs> Martinez have 14 fucking carries? Yeah. Like, Truly, I I cannot comprehend why you're not just pounding the run game here. And like, th- yeah. this is the issue in part with having DJU is he's not a bad quarterback, but it almost like tricks Jonathan Smith into like, we need to be balanced. No, we we need to pass it 30 times. You don't. You do not. With this receiver court, you do not need to pass it 30 times on the road. I promise yeah. you, you can... You can give Dame 25 carries and Fenwick another 10 and just control the game. What would be so yeah. wrong with that? Yeah, it certainly would have helped when they had a lead at some point. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a, a baffle. I mean, the thing is, is that, I don't know, DJ, you did play well. Like, it was, you know, but then again, he has 14 incompletions. Those are 14 dead plays with no, with, with no yardage, right? Can you, if you convert six of those into you know five yards per carry that's a different outcome extra 30 yards you don't know where they're coming from so it's um another issue there i mean 
on the other side of the ball, Jetfish had, did the same thing, honestly, until late in the game when they needed to ice it. Noah Fafita threw 32 times, and Jonah Coleman and DJ Williams were getting five, six, seven yards per carry. It's It was silly stuff from both of them. I get that people love the pass game and you love to get explosives, but like, come on, come on, let's be serious here. All right, that's it for Arizona, Oregon State. That is it for our big two games here. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll play some Halloween games. We'll talk about the rest of the slate. Don't go anywhere. Hey, besties. You already know that my favorite thing about the Pac-12 are its weird traditions and wacky vibes. And Homefield Apparel does an incredible job of creating gear that encompasses the strange histories of the Pac-12 conference. For example, this UW Sun Dodgers t-shirt. If you have never seen this logo before, I don't blame you because this was only UW's mascot for less than two years in the early 1920s. Nobody knew what a Sun Dodger was, so they ended up voting to get rid of it. But in the short time they did have it, they went with Sunny Boy here with a little umbrella. I love wearing the shirt. I think it confuses everyone around me. They have tons of amazing, interesting, and unique throwbacks for 11 of the 12 Pac-12 schools. And you can get all of that and more at homefieldapparel.com. You will not regret it. Literally ask anyone that owns a home field shirt. They will tell you how soft it is. It is truly amazing. I don't know how they do it, but the quality... I don't take them off. I live in these. They're incredible. Get a home field shirt. Bye. All right. Let's move on to a couple of alleged top tier teams in the Pac-12. Matthew Hubertson looks like he went to go grab a drink or something. He's away. So we'll we'll get him back in here at some point. Uh, Washington escaped Palo Alto. The win over Stanford, 42 to 33. Stanford had a chance to take the a lead in this game late, but failed to convert on fourth down, uh, enabling Washington to score on their next possession and ice the game. Meanwhile, USC escaped Berkeley in a high-scoring thrill of themselves, beating Cal 50-49. to 50-49. to Cal loses this game on a failed two-point conversion attempt uh, and led for much of this game. Look, I know we have serious misgivings about USC. I know that they're kind of in the dumps right now, but Washington is going through a pretty sneaky, very rough month-long stretch right now. So my question, I want to start with Greg here. Between USC and Washington, which team's performance is most concerning to you right now relative to what we expect of them? This is not a serious question. I mean, it's obviously USC, but like, I'm going to talk about Washington because I think that's more interesting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, USC is, is much more concerning. They look terrible, but Washington, you have not Alex Grinch coaching your defense, so you've got that going for you. That being said... If you're going to struggle against a team like Arizona State and then you're going to come out and you're going to struggle against a team like Stanford, albeit in very different ways, it becomes concerning when you still have to play Utah and Oregon State. Now, Utah and Oregon State both lost this week. Those are games you should win, absolutely. But then we all expect to have to play Oregon again in the title game. And right now, I would take Oregon so definitively with the way U Dub has looked on both ends, you know they've struggled in two different ways. Uh, I don't think that U Dub is like on the verge of collapse or anything. You know, I'm not worried about that at all. I am worried that when they finally play a good team, though, again, it might not look the same because it really has not looked good since the Oregon game. Reed, what about you? Are you more concerned about USC? More concerned about Washington? You agree with Greg that Washington's a little bit, a little bit weird looking right now? Yeah, I'm. 
I'm concerned about Washington because, I mean, what is there to be concerned about for USC? This is who they are, <laughs> right? Like, what am I adjusting from to say, oh, oh, they looked sleepy, gave up a lot of points to a mid-team and one by one possession. Okay, not concerning. That sounds like USC's right where I remember them. Uh, for Washington, uh, you know, this is a team where... They did this last year, by the way. I don't know. Washington did this exact same thing last year. Well, they did, but then they didn't to start this year, you know? And so that's where we thought that this Washington offense could name their score against anyone, was unstoppable. They were blowing out teams, covering against everyone for the first five weeks. Um, You know, obviously had the close result against Oregon. And I think it's worth noting, like, sometimes I, I do think we get caught up in these conversations about power ratings too much because... We play these game. We we play football to win the game. You know, like ultimately the results are Thanks, what Herm. matters most. <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out Herm. But I mean, no, that's, don't that's the, shout out Herm. <laughs> that's the thing, though. Like Washington, I feel like what I'm learning about them is that they actually scale well against better opponents. Their offense has a lot more to do with. Their like offensive stagnation has a lot more to do, I think, with their own errors than it necessarily has to do with the defenses they're playing. And in this game, there are a lot of drops. There are some weird misses from Penix. Um, but because of that variance, like against good defenses, I think they're going to win 50-50 balls and they're going to score like 35 points. Against bad defenses, I think that they're still going to have incompletions, missed rhythm throws, drops, that that cap their ceiling at 35 or 40 points a lot of times. Um, and that's what we saw in this game again. That's a little worrying, but at the same time, they're just taking off wins against lesser opponents and getting it done. Uh, and because of their style and their ceiling and how unguardable it is when Penix is right, when you get when Polk and Adunze are making insane 50-50 catches, I can't count them out of any game in this conference either. You know, like would I favor Oregon in a rematch in Vegas? Probably. But I wouldn't say that Washington has less than a 30% chance to win that game. Certainly. Like if they're on, it's going to be hard to beat them. Uh, The question is how serious is this stuff with Penix? There's words of like a flu bug going around Washington. I don't know how real that is. There's, I think Penix might have broke a rib against Oregon, honestly. Like, he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't have the same zip on his throws. He can't hold the ball an extra second. So I'm co- I'm concerned about Washington in terms of them being a top-five team and the front-runner in this conference like we thought they were with a bullet two weeks ago. I, I guess I'm, uh, I have a very different interpretation of Washington right now, and I feel like I'm going back and, and reanalyzing what we've seen over the past month. First, it was like, oh, okay, whatever. They're playing shitty. They got some weird curses. You just got to get past your clunkers. When there's clunkers every single week, I think there's there's a problem. Here's the thing. Washington has looked – Washington's offense has lived up to its expectations and potential one time over the past month, once. And it was against Oregon. And the only reason – I know Reed disagrees here, but, like, I just – I just think Oregon had a bad defensive game plan. I think that was the worst defensive game plan of any of the four teams they've played. Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona, all much lesser talented teams, decided to drop eight and say, no, we're actually going to take away the the deep pass. 
um, per game on paper, I think the only team that allowed in that four game stretch an explosive play rate over ten percent was Oregon, and they and and that was when they had, I think, on paper what looked like and even on the eye test looked like their best offensive performance. I don't think that uh, maybe Michael Penix has something going on. I don't know. Did I mean if he got hurt in the Oregon game? Let me tell you something. He did not look good in the Arizona game either, um, and that was a week before the Oregon game. I think that we have talked a little bit about the boomer bustness of Washington's offense. They have insane receivers. I just think that like, if you disrupt some stuff and you limit their explosive plays, it does take a lot away a lot of what they're doing. They're still a very good offensive team without that, but they're not the generational elite one without those explosive plays. That is what's uh, concerning to me. I sort of wonder like, you know, can can you put together, I would favor Oregon by a lot because I think it's going to take, you know, I think, I just think that um, Oregon will make adjustments and say, okay, we're not going to play man. We're not going to watch, you know, Kyrie Jackson. Just we're not going to dare Kyrie Jackson to have to cover Roma Dunze one on one and and say, yeah, no, our guys are just going to line them up with your guys. I think Dan Lanning is a much smarter coach than that. I think if they had to play again, you just copy and paste the blueprint from the Arizona game and and apply it um in that game and i do feel you know it does make me wonder a little bit uh, about washington as the ability that as a team that can just name and score um it hasn't been true for the past month it just hasn't so this is such revisionist uh, history of the arizona game though Penix, okay. Penix just didn't score a touchdown. That's all you care about. As, as you saw a zero in the touchdown, you said he played bad. He went 30, <laughs> Their explosive he went th- play rate was horrible. Because that's what Arizona did. So Penix went 30 for 40, threw for yes. 363 on the ground. They went touchdown, 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 end of half. Like, they, Arizona was never in the game. Washington had an 85 to 90% chance of winning the game the entire time. Or Arizona was not competitive until the very end when Washington took their foot off the gas. That was all that happened. Washington soundly controlled Arizona. They just had to make a tweak to their game plan to do it. Um, it's. Th- I'm just going to tell you right now, Washington, if Washington has to play like Oregon does, they will not beat Oregon. Like if Wa- Washington in that game, you're right. We watched that game together. Washington played a lot like Oregon plays in that they're going to, we're going to try to beat you seven, eight, nine yards at a time. And they did. They absolutely did against Arizona. Oregon has a better defense and is more talented than Arizona. Do you agree? Because that I don't think that Washington would have beaten Oregon, you know, a couple weeks ago if they if they have to play like or, or offense like Oregon does. Cuz Oregon can do that. I don't think Washington can do that sustainably. But again, you're just you're just completely making up what happened in those games, right? And you're just moving <laughs> the goalposts on like Okay, was Arizona dominant against Washington's defense, or were they not that good, but maybe a more talented defense could be dominant against them? Uh, Yes, I think that's what I'm saying. Okay, well, but Washington's offense looked good against Arizona. They looked pretty good last night against Stanford at times. I mean, they put up 42. There was... Errors, but it's but not it wasn't, the generational offense. But it wasn't Stanford it's, stopping them. It was like for some reason, Adunze and Polk dropped like five passes each, and Penix missed like seven more throws. And so, like the, Washington shot themselves in the foot against Stanford. Still put up forty-two. They played so much. You have to be able to just look and say like Washington gave its A game to Oregon, and it gave and it gave its. B minus game to Stanford last night. And that's because Washington was sick. Penix's rib is hurt. 
whatever. They they weren't as locked in for that game because it's fucking college football on the road at the sleepy farm at 5 p.m. We know this stuff happens, right? I think that, yeah, should Oregon make some tweaks to its game plan against Washington? Sure. Did Washington's offense absolutely torch Oregon at every moment? No, that's not what happened. They had a really good first half. Oregon came out in the second half and got three straight stops and did had some success. Had had Washington held at 29 until they didn't convert the fourth down late. Washington had momentum at home. Played a great game. Awesome. But like Oregon's defense in that game put them in a position to win for for stretches of it, you know? It was right there for them. If they did that same thing again with what they learned from the first half to the second half, they can still win the game. It's not like it's not like this binary where okay, either you play man for 90 plays on defense or you drop eight into a zone for 90 plays on defense like you you're that's not what i'm that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is that oregon relied heavily on it and they probably should have relied significantly less on it and and i know that they probably will because look what washington is doing washington had uh lower points per drive uh, against stanford than oregon did and i'm just saying this to say Washington is a is a great offense. I think that they could put up a ton of points. I also think they're not like a generational one. That is what I'm saying. I think that they have shown there's some flaws here. They have not looked good. I think the one game where we confidently said, oh man, Washington's like scary was the Oregon game. Did we feel that way after the Arizona game? I don't think we did. Did I, we feel that way after the Stanford game? I don't think we do. They've been so, scary. I would say if you just look at the point total, the outlier is the Arizona State game. Pretty, I mean, Obviously, it is. I don't even know how we're making another case than that. the The outlier yeah, sure, is in the sure. Oregon game. They torched everyone. Had a good, had a really good game where they torched Oregon at times. They're not torching. Yeah, they, let's they move on. Okay. They didn't torch and I are Boise into a State, fight. Tulsa, Michigan State, Cal, Reed, Arizona Reed for most of the game. Reed and I are doing game. it again. Reed and I are doing it again. Matt, let's let's hear what you had to say. Oh, I don't have much to say. We already know my feelings on these two teams. They're the, exact same. Them. They're the exact same team. They're the exact same team. Washington has a less good quarterback and a better defense, which gives them a bigger margin for error, which is the difference between seven and five and eleven and one. Yeah, that's how I feel. They're the same team. They're that, the same fucking team. That's how I feel. I just feel like Washington. I'm not ready to just go full on and say they're fraudulent, but I got worries about them. I got worries about them the same way that I have worries about USC. Maybe not a, to the to Matt's point, not to the same extent, but I got worries about them. Um, Greg, what were you going to say? It looks like you got something to say. I think that one of those differences between Washington and USC that we haven't mentioned that I think might actually be significant is I genuinely trust Kalen DeBoer so much more than I trust Lincoln Riley yeah, right now. Probably. Why? Yeah, sure. Why? How come? <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Because one of them hires and still retains <laughs> well, Alex I Grinch. I'm sure one mean... of them is the third best coach in college football. <laughs> why, why would you ever? <laughs> I don't. I'm not even talking about hirings, although I think Kalen DeBoer's, I mean, it's hard to be worse than Lincoln Riley there. But just in-game, I believe in Kalen DeBoer. I just find myself thinking Lincoln Riley is making bad decisions so often. And I don't know. It feels like something we should talk about more. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think... Let's talk about USC because Oklahoma USC, fans have been screaming it into the ether for three years. It's yeah, fine. but they're we, fucking it Oklahoma gets talked fans. About plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk about USC very, very quickly before we before we get on here because they're getting they're getting off scot free because we're all like they fucking suck. What do we care? 
<laughs> this is a horrible yeah. performance, giving up 49 points to Cal. Uh, now, Cal's offense might be, like, kind of decent. It's fine. Like, whatever. Um, but Cal was up two scores in this game for a good chunk of it before some absolutely stupid. This was a dumb cursed game for both teams. Uh, this wasn't ugly, but this game looked like a matchup of two bad teams. Honestly, Cal was up two scores for much of this. Uh, they blow it. They, they turn it over once or twice, um, and allow USC to get back into the game, um, and end up losing any, I don't know. USC, I guess let me ask this, big picture-wise, since we don't I don't think we care much about Cal, are they are they going seven and five this season? <laughs> Cause their schedule is kind of tough to round out the season. They host Washington, they go to Autzen to play Oregon, and they host UCLA. Um is that, is that a seven and five team? Do they look like a seven and five team right now? Do you think they get any of those? Great. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, I uh I don't like thinking about this. I just I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I I, mean, I, I it's I'm going to stay firm on how I feel about this team. I don't think so. <laughs> Reed, what about you? They are <laughs> reeling right now. This USC win feels like a loss more than anything. Um uh, what do you what do you <laughs> What do, you, what do you make of the rest of USC season here? USC is functionally a seven-on-seven seven football team. They don't tackle. They don't practice physicality. And it, it that's what it looks like in games. Like, they could not be more different from Utah. And that's what we saw last week in terms of, like, they just don't know how to be physical and they don't know how to tackle. Um, that said, they're still have a really good improvisational quarterback. They still have not an top tier wide receiver room but some guys who can do things certainly um i think they're gonna win one of these games i do ultimately i think they're going in for uh i think they i think they could beat washington next week like if washington puts out another stinker if washington has some offensive errors and doesn't Penix doesn't look right who's to say that in a game played in the high 30s usc can't get there like peep peep the spread peep the spread on that thing washington minus three and a half is what i saw right mm-hmm. three and a half mm-hmm. yep yeah yep so the ucla spreads probably going to be something similar to that uh one of those two games i think they're getting even the i don't know i mean i'm i the oregon game's going to be uh interesting from what we've seen the past few weeks oregon should win but like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, at least USC has a fastball offensively. Like I, I yeah, that's the thing is that like they? they can put. They are putting up. They, I, I just have a hard time believing. Yes, they put up twenty against Notre Dame. That is the best defense they will play all season. They're they put they'll they'll put up thirty points. Uh, I do think that they're they will absolutely put up thirty points against or against Oregon. I just think Oregon's offense is. Uh, uh, I mean, I think we're gonna get a repeat of that. I don't know if if y'all remember this. I think was it. 2019 USC where it was like eight t- nine straight mm. touchdown drives something like that <laughs> I think that's what we're gonna get with like USC getting you know two or three touchdown drives in there right like I think this could be like a 55 to 30 kind of game um so I don't think Reed's wrong there yeah it's it's a game where like if you know if you have the scoop and score the pick six from Oregon like that 
that flip of a possession can be the difference that that ties it because like USC can can score probably. Yeah. Let's uh let's talk real real quick about <laughs> the other two teams on these games. Cal Stanford. Real quick, Greg, start with you. Is there one team between these two that you're sort of more impressed by in their performance than the other between Stanford and Cal? So, um Cal it's just fun for me to watch, uh, <laughs> which is weird. It's weird that this has happened. As I was, because I got to catch the end of the Cal USC game. I was stuck in traffic for most of it. I got to watch the end of it live, and then I watched the rest of it this morning. I found myself watching the running styles of, <laughs> of Jaden Ott and Fernando Mendoza, and Jaden Ott runs it looks like his feet are trying to like outrun the rest of his body which <laughs> i thought like was pretty cartoon, funny. like a cartoon where it's like they're, they're uh-huh. just running with their legs first <laughs> <laughs> and then fernando mendoza looks like travis wilson if he didn't throw sidearm <laughs> and it's interesting I, as i compare every team to former utah teams <laughs> clearly this cal team is just 2014 utah that's what we're watching <laughs> Uh, man who That's watches, what we're watching. Anyway, I think they've been Utah, impressive this giving year. Giving a lot of Utah vibes from this team. <laughs> yeah, Again, he was six years old. Like, give him, give him a break. <laughs> I, I think, I think Cal is a better team than Stanford when they play each other. I think Cal's going to win by a lot. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I'm weirdly Cal curious at this point. Oh, come on! <laughs> Have we not learned our lesson yet? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, Come on. I thought I thought it was the right decision to go for two. I thought Justin Wilcox did a good job in this game. Yeah, yeah, he should have gone for two, for sure. Icing the kicker also at the uh, end of the first half, beginning of the <laughs> second half thing. That was hilarious. Great job, Justin Wilcox. And the fact that he missed. Oh, what a weird-ass game. Matthew Ritson, real quick, Stanford Re- comedy back. Reed and Carlos are absolutely the mining meme when it comes to Cal Curiosity. Y'all turned around too early. We are so close. We are so, so close to our to our victory. Oh boy. Um man, I don't know. Like I Cal maybe uh, every time we've seen anything out of Cal, like they do some dumb shit the next week. Um but Stanford's bad. Stanford's a bad football team. I really think they are. They've got some redeemable things about them, and they did make Washington sweat. You know, they did. I I think they're they figured out their quarterback situation. Their running game is good now because you've just you're just decided they're gonna. They did the Jonathan Smith thing and said we're not gonna pass ever. We're just gonna have them. uh, We're just gonna have our quarterbacks run it. We're just gonna run the ball. (laughs) Is what they've decided to do. And yeah, of course they'll pass it once or time, once or twice. But yeah, would be very interesting to see how that goes. All right, let's move on to talk about the rest of the game's rapid fire. And joining us for this rapid fire segment, you just, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is, okay, my intro for her was uh, real life Twilight vampire Avery at Brave Grapes. <laughs> She's back. Uh, did you back. just, did you just use the, the sickness as an excuse to get out of eating hot salsa this week? No, no, I'm really oh, sick. Oh, yeah, you do sound actually. sick. Okay, yeah. You, <laughs> I'm not feeling you great. You talked, and now I'm convinced. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, joining us for Rapid Fire, good to have you here. Good to have you. I'm sure everyone is Thank you. happy to have you here. Let's talk about the last two games. First up, UCLA 
beats the hell out of Shador Sanders and Colorado, beating the Buffs in Pasadena 28-16. to Grapes, if you haven't already, turn on your voice memo. I hope you've already done that. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to lose my mind. Uh, the Bruins <laughs> dominated this game for the most part, doubling up the Buffs in total yards. But four turnovers from UCLA made this a closer game than I think UCLA is comfortable with. Reed, quick thoughts on UCLA, Colorado. How did UCLA not cover this game, man? Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Just could not stop turning the ball over. But holy shit. Uh, Colorado's offensive front was just completely brutalized by UCLA's front seven. And I'm shocked Shadur Sanders made it out of this game semi-healthy. I mean, he's, he was limping pretty hard. He looked like he could not run. <laughs> I thought he was going to be one. on a stretcher, man. <laughs> Good God. My guy cares for his health less than Jaden Daniels ever did at Arizona State. <laughs> it's it's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah, absurd stuff. Greg, real quick from you, thoughts on UCLA, Colorado? My dumbled prediction was double-digit sacks for UCLA. Spiritually, I was correct. Okay, yep. they, Colorado got murdered on the line. It's a miracle they scored 16. Good job, Colorado, even with the turnovers. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Truly shocking stuff that Colorado season is playing out exactly as we thought it would. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Avery, thoughts on UCLA, Colorado? I was really proud of the Rose Bowl attendance for this game, even though they were mostly Colorado fans. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that stadium wasn't empty. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, for me, UCLA's offense, horrific stuff, uh, as usual. Cycled in another quarterback. So I think it cycled in two quarterbacks, so I think for different reasons. Uh, they 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 look terrible right now. Uh, but they might be favored in every single game left on their schedule. To be honest, ten and two UCLA actually still unironically very alive. They get through Arizona, it's smooth sailing. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know that they do. Uh, finally, our last game here: ASU beat Washington State thirty-eight twenty-seven in Tempe. Our boy Cameron Scadaboo ran for one hundred and twenty-one yards off eleven carries. Washington State drops four in a row. Arizona State gets their first win in Pac-12 play on the season, avoiding a an zero and nine conference season. Avery, what did you think of this game? Since I tweeted this, if Wazoo has a million fans, I am one of them. If Wazoo has ten fans, I am one of them. If Wazoo only has one fan, that is me. If Wazoo has no fans, that means I am dead. If the world is against Wazoo, I am against the world. Wazoo has lost four games in a row. So and you became a Utah fan. Really? I think it's my fault, actually. I apologize. I, the football gods are testing my fandom. And yeah, I am weak. I'm going to stop. Uh, <laughs> I will not bluff any further. <laughs> Matthew Hubertson. Look at our virgin. Look at him go. Look at Dilly doing what we thought. Getting this team going down the stretch. Love to see it. Greg. Yeah, my takeaway from this is that Kenny Dillingham is an awesome coach. Uh, the fact that ASU did not quit after all they've been through. They're still fighting, and they actually got a win. I, I love that. Cam Scadaboo is is incredible. Uh, fun team, ASU. Fun team. Reed, what do you think? Yeah, I'm so sad we don't get to see the full Dilly arc in the Pac-12. Man, I oh. think I think he would have Arizona State competing in a few years here. Maybe not winning the conference, but knocking off some people. Not a lot to work with this year, but getting this win is really fucking impressive. Uh, Matt Hubertson. Oh, no, you already went. It's just me. Uh, yeah, no, uh, this was a really impressive, <laughs> this is a really impressive, uh, game from Arizona state, man. They, they got big, like, uh, Arizona state fans are going to hate this, but they've got like big 2021 Arizona vibes, except like better, like this is a competitive team. They're 
competing with pretty much everyone. They got blown out one time against Fresno State, which is kind of funny when we think about it. Everyone else they've been competitive with, uh, even even some of the best teams on their schedule. So we will we'll see. They got a tough schedule though. They got at Utah, at UCLA, home against Oregon, and then uh, home against Arizona. Um, gotta imagine they get one of those, but don't know if they're getting much more than that. Um, all right, that is all we have. Let's move on to our next segment, the Witching Hour. This is an Avery brainchild. Here's how it's going to work. In the spirit of this dark holiday, we thought we would take a moment to talk about the most cursed, most supernatural, scariest things going on in the Pac-12 right now. They could be moments. They could be teams. They could be narratives. Whatever you have, anything that classifies as cursed, supernatural, or scary. Matt, let's start with you. What's cursed for the Pac-12 right now? I mean, I'll take the easy one. It The refs are still doing the shit, dude. <laughs> like... We didn't talk My about the God. USC. Can you talk a little bit about the USC uh, Cal I situation? Don't think, I don't think words can. I don't think. I don't think the language we have possesses the capacity to describe that shit. I. I do. I apparently there should have been a second still on the clock, even though every screenshot that I've seen. Yeah, at the end of half, even though every screenshot I've seen shows it at zero. Uh, we just found a second somewhere, and but they didn't decide this until like halfway through halftime. <laughs> Coaches are getting pulled out onto the field in the middle of halftime, you know, when they should be talking to their players and like figuring shit out to find out that they are going to complete halftime, then run the one second of the second quarter <laughs> after halftime <laughs> and then just roll right into the third quarter, I guess. Like, what the, what the hell? The, the funniest part about that, they come out, they come out of halftime ready to end the first half. The, and USC gets ready to kick the ball because they get to kick a field goal. Justin Wilcox calls a fucking timeout. Because <laughs> he still had three timeouts. Well, three in every timeouts. first half that they let him use. And you saw a bunch of like the reporters and everybody being like, oh my gosh, like Cal's got to be mad that like USC's kicker gets to practice this exact kick because it's halftime. <laughs> <Yeah>. So the <laughs> USC's kicker is coming out and just like practicing his 23 yard kick over and over and over again. <laughs> But then he missed. And then he missed. And then he missed. <laughs> what the fuck? This is crazy. That was just the most insane shit I have ever seen. That had to be, man, one of the craziest in-game moments I've ever seen. Even Ted Robbins and Yogi Roth were like, "We have never seen this before." I mean, the halftime crew was like, "What is this? Why did they do this?" Yeah, that was yeah. And it's just, I every week there's something like this where it's just like I. You are still getting paid, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, you're still going to want to be a ref. Like, these games still need to get played. The games still need to be get refed. Like, these refs aren't just going away. Like, those refs all of a sudden inundating the Big Ten and the Big 12 is going to be absolutely hilarious <laughs> to see which culture takes over. Yeah, crazy stuff. Greg, what's cursed supernatural for you right now in the Pac-12? It's USC, okay, mm-hmm. and not just because they're bad, but they are bad in all of the ways that USC has been bad since time immemorial, okay? <laughs> this is this is Clay Helton's USC. <laughs> oh. This is Sark's USC. <laughs> this is Lane Kiffin's USC. It's all the same. Nothing changes. Any like Time is a flat circle with USC. Since Pete Carroll has left, they have been cursed. It's been the same USC. They make the same dumbass mistakes, they're always terrible in one facet of the game. Uh, right now, it's defense, and 
normally there's not like an obvious fix as obvious as you know firing Alex Grinch but like it's just been the exact same team the entire Pac-12 era yeah it's <laughs> it's like filled like something is always going wrong they're always wrong they're always bad in a very loud way it's like always dramatic there's always a coach who's just like on the verge of losing his fucking mind like it's crazy. It is crazy how it's almost like there's something institutionally going on there. Oops. Who knew? Uh, um, <laughs> um, Avery, what about you? What's a uh, curse for you right now in the Pac-12? The most cursed thing is that Oregon fans are defending Washington because of quality loss reasons. <laughs> no, I was listening no, to we- the podcast and Reed was doing it. <laughs> That's like one of the reasons I had to get out of bed. I was like, I gotta get on no, the show. No, Reed is defending Washington because he didn't want Dan Lanning's game plan to look like shit. <laughs> that's <laughs> No, that's part of the reason. That's they're Nonetheless, they're defending Washington at all. That's crazy to me. And I get like that you need the quality loss, whatever, but like that's sicko shit. Washington almost lost to Stanford last night, almost lost to ASU last week, and you're still like, no, 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 no. They're good. They're good. I swear. That's cursed. That's pretty cursed. That's pretty good stuff. You agree, you agree Reed? You're up here. You, what's your cursed supernatural thing? Well, Greg talked about losing in the exact same way, time being a flat circle. Let me introduce you to Cal. Um, <laughs> who, here said that we're, was, who said they were Cal Curious again? Right, I did. <laughs> Me who has hated Cal more than anyone else. Always and forever. <laughs> I mean, the Wilcox era is truly something. How they managed to keep having four or five wins and tricking themselves into getting excited for big games and then pulling some weird excuse for why they lost by one possession and again finished with a losing record. Like, it is <laughs> insane the torture that Cal fans have been put in for the last eight years. Um, shout out Justin Wilcox with a CK on Twitter. He has a shirt called the Cal Fans Burden. Condemned to a life... <laughs> Sorry. Condemned to a life of preordained disappointment, punctuated by sporadic interludes of unwarranted optimism and irrational hope. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't encapsulate what Cal has been under Wilcox, I don't know what does. Down down to it being overly wordy and confusing. <laughs> yeah, every Cal Twitter fan is the most cringe, corny poet i've ever i've ever come across <laughs> um listen listen the game they didn't it's not their fault they lost last night he went for it on two that was that was a good choice <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy fernando mendoza is the most likable quarterback in the pack 12 right uh, now. Noah fafita no fafitas come on come on no fafita i'm just kidding no fafita um yeah for me it's actually the all the weird quarterback controversies i feel like most like and all the weird quarterback shit going i feel like we have had more crazy quarterback shit this season than like most seasons we obviously have some stability washington and michael Penix, usc caleb williams oregon bo Nix, even oregon state dju although you know throwing in aiden childs there for a series or two is kind of weird but ucla they've benched their quarterback then they have their quarterback and then they have they make packages for a third quarterback. They've played like five different quarterbacks this season. Utah <laughs> don't even need to say anything about their quarterback <laughs> situation. Uh, Arizona had the whole Charlie Brewer Cam Rising thing with Jaden Delora and Noah Fafita. Um, Cal, <laughs> 
Fernando Mendoza, like their fourth, fifth option, was not even picked and is now their best quarterback, very clearly. Uh, Arizona State, they have pretty much injured every single quarterback on their roster. Stanford, they're still running two quarterbacks. It's now part of their game plan that they run two quarterbacks. Like <laughs> Justin Lanson and Ashton Daniels just cycle in because it's part of the game plan. Like weird shit happening with quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Avery, you were going to say something. I was just going to say the Cal one's my favorite because <laughs> him starting Fernando Mendoza came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> Nobody knew about this guy. Not it was Justin Wilcox too. didn't either. He, <laughs> it was so unprompted. He was just like, okay, here you go. Here's a secret third quarterback I've been saving for five weeks. Especially because he's so much better than the other two. It's like not even close. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right. Uh, let's move on here. We've got another another Halloween-style game. We call this one Trick or Treat. Got a list of statements for you all. We're gonna and you're gonna tell me whether it's a trick. I think the statement's false, or it's a treat. The statement is true. Easy enough. All right. Washington. Statement one. Washington will win the Pac-12 and make the college football playoff. Matthew Hubertson, start us off. Trick or treat. Trick. Big trick. Big. Big trick. Big trick. <laughs> okay. That's it. All right. No other explanation needed. Did you want me to explain? Like, go you ahead. Said, yeah, yeah. Say if it's true. Yeah. It's true. You don't want to explain it. All right, fine. (laughs) Reed, (laughs) trick or treat. Washington defender Reed. Trick. Please, God, let this be a trick. (laughs) God damn it. These last two games have been such fucking teases, dude. I like... They both... Both of them, they actually, for a second, I I said, this is like a 50-50 game, but no. Yeah. Greg, what about you? Trick or treat. The first half of the statement is a trick, but the second half is a treat. Two Pac-12 teams in the playoff. Come on. Oh, he's going for it. He's going for it. Avery, Washington wins the Pac-12. <laughs> Avery's familiar with this take. Washington wins the Pac-12 <laughs> and make the college football playoff. Trick or yeah, treat. <laughs> this, I'm, never, I'm never getting a treat with this take ever in my life. <laughs> It's not. No. <laughs> trick? Yeah, I've got this as a trick, too. Uh, I no longer... I am out on Washington as a serious football team. Um, I They have looked, they have looked poopy. Um, so, we will see. All right, statement two here. Maybe we'll get some more mixes on this one. Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. Greg, trick or treat? Treat. Uh, yeah, I think it's they're definitively the best team right now. Reed? Uh... I think they need to do it still. Oh trick. my! Stop with the I, false I, bullshit. I think, oh yeah, gosh. yeah. Of all people, <laughs> yeah, we're up. really gonna believe Shut that. Shut the fuck up! Ah, <laughs> God, oh fuck! Oh, oh golly gee, what a tough decision. Oh no, ahead, I've read. never even considered this. <laughs> I, I am saying <laughs> trick. I think it's still oh, more up. likely they don't Bro win the Pac-12. Up. I do. He's doing the reverse psychology jinx thing. <laughs> Emotional hedging, if I've ever heard it. <laughs> Matthew Hubertson, trick or treat. It's an all, it's an all caps treat. Like all it's not caps even treat. close. Okay, all right, Avery. I just already know someone's gonna clip this and be like, "But but Washington beat them in Seattle." So yeah, I think they're the best team in the conference, especially with Michael Penix being injured or sick or a robot. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Go, over go there. ahead and name that someone. Go, go give him a name. Go ahead. <laughs> he doesn't listen to our <laughs> podcast. 
Um, yeah, I, I think this is a big old treat. Uh, I think I think Oregon looks crazy. And if again, if they didn't have a really shitty defensive game plan against Washington, they probably win that game handily and going away. This um, is the house that gets out donuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, what? What? How? Well, sorry. Wait, hold on a second. There's houses that give out donuts for trick or treating. Yeah, this is is this yeah. a Utah thing? What Reed, does this fuck? happen to you? I want a donut. Okay. <laughs> Bro, really? <laughs> they always have you like don't. a table the... with hot chocolate and donuts, but it's like the most inconvenient thing. You can't put your it in hands the bag. Get sticky, or yeah. you don't want to eat it, and you oh, put it in your bag. Shut up! It's everywhere. Jesus. Yeah, you finish you that. Spoiled. You don't understand. Spoiled. You don't understand. <laughs> no, you don't. Get or like, it. there's cul-de-sacs that like will do a full-on dinner. Like uh-huh. one house is doing hot dogs, one house has the drinks, there's one house no has shit. the chili in my neighborhood. That was really good. The chili is really good because you can just hold the house. There's a family in my neighborhood that was brazilian and they always had the the dinner at their oh. house so we had like brazilian hot dogs that was actually pretty fucking listen cool. you're not gonna believe this but the state that averages three children per household <laughs> does halloween right <laughs> yeah you were talking about uh trunk or treating yeah i, I did not know that, that was a utah thing oh i, never, I totally I thought that was a utah it thing. Is, but i've never heard of trunk or treating until you told me apparently everyone does trick-or-treating outside of their trunks which is well, they like go meet a at a parking thing. lot. So if you don't live in the same neighborhood, that's a good way to have like a Halloween party for kids. God, I learned something new on this podcast every Halloween. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> last week, I think last year, what was it? It was like doing Halloween on. There was like a Halloween on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, on the Saturday. Oh, yeah, the day before yeah. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, okay. Next statement here. The Pac-12 will get three New Year's Six bids. Read. Trick or treat. It's trick. I think the only way this happens is Oregon and Washington have to make the playoff. Both of them. I don't think any of these other teams are gonna make uh, are gonna get a uh, what? Well, I'm forgetting the term. Whatever bonus bid uh, to the New Year's Six at large. Matt, bid. what about you? <laughs> no, because the rose the Rose Bowl is a part of the playoff. Mm. Yeah, so they don't get an auto bid. I don't think. No, they they. I think that you still have to fill uh, an extra bid somewhere. Uh, it's just at large. They do get yeah. an auto bid. There is an auto bid. It's just one of the other bowls. Oh, okay. See, I thought it had to be the Rose Bowl for them. I to think get it's the usually the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. I don't. Remember. But I thought if the Pac-12 team went to the playoff, then that fulfilled nope. that obligation. I don't. Think I don't so. think it does. Um, nah. Whatever. Well, it, either way, it's a trick. Okay. Because USC USC is not going Cotton Bowl again. Okay, Avery. Yeah, it's a trick. They're gonna everyone's gonna lose to each other. We're not gonna get we're gonna get one team in the New Year's six games. That's what's gonna happen. We're gonna get one the Pac twelve championship winner in there. Everyone else is gonna have three losses. Somehow. That would be ridiculous. It'd be fucking Nine ridiculous. Utah yeah, well. in the conference championship game. I need it. <laughs> I need I'm, it. I'm gonna say treat. I think I think there's a world here where Oregon goes to the playoff, Washington gets the consolation New Year six auto bid, and then one of you know, Arizona or dare I say UCLA, if only because they will be 10 and two and maybe ranked high enough, maybe another third team. I don't think Arizona, it's maybe yeah. USC, but I don't know if Arizona wins, ends the season winning like seven games in a row, six games in a row. I don't know. I don't know. It could be ranked. Depend depends on how, how high the AP puts them or the college football playoff committee puts them. So we will, I, I'm going to say treat. I think they do it. Greg, your, your big old trick. So, uh, because of what I said earlier, and that Oregon and Washington will both be going to the playoff, 
and I've decided to live in that fantasy world, um, that means this is a treat because, mm. of course, there has to be a third team getting that auto bid. Uh, listen, I don't actually think that the committee will give the Pac-12 two teams. However, for me, the most likely outcome here is USC and Washington, not USC, Oregon and Washington win out and Oregon beats Washington in the playoff, in the in the title game. In that scenario, both teams should go to the playoff. Absolutely. Do you think do you think Washington undefeated Washington is going to win out? I do. Uh, I guess the That's crazy. That's They don't play crazy. any also, good teams left except for maybe Utah. Oregon it also State. Won't you know, they don't need a good team oh, to beat yeah, them, yeah. buddy. Oregon State <laughs> I just don't think is that good. Um, mm. It also won't happen cuz you'll have undefeated Georgia, undefeated Florida State and undefeated Michigan. Ooh, forgot about the ACC. Like, you're fucked. God damn There's it. four spots. You're yeah, done. forgot about the ACC. I remember my first college football season. Everyone goes <laughs> yeah, undefeated. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get some weird weirdness, I think. Um, all right. Be next, nice. Next statement. <laughs> Be uh, nice. U.S. I'm gonna skip this one. We already talked about it. Next statement. Last statement. A team that is not Oregon or Washington will end up in the Pac-12 championship <laughs> game. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Fuck Trick it. or treat. Give me a treat. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's have some fun. You're telling me that the final Pac-12 championship game and the final Pac-12 champion in this conference's history is going to be the normal and clear one? Fuck off. <laughs> it's true. It happens. Greg, trick or treat. Someone not named Oregon or Washington will end up in the Pac-12 championship game. Trick. Oh, so you think it's happen. clear cut? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Reed, someone not named Oregon or Washington will end up in the Pac-12 championship game. I'm gonna lean treat. I think we. Mm. This is. <laughs> I think we're still waiting for some weird shit to happen, and I think we're forgetting how many we're of these good waiting. teams play each other, like late in the season. I, I. What were you gonna say? I need to interrupt this. I didn't even realize that you were talking about just the two teams in the championship game. I and thought you were talking about the actual champion. Oh, no. I think, <laughs> I mean, I, that's a whole other one. But yeah, just no one, some <laughs> other participant at all that is not Oregon or Washington. Easy treat. Yeah. I, I think this is an easy treat for me, too. I think Washington is, first of all, Oregon, if they lose one more game, they're kind of in a weird multi-team tiebreaker scenario that could do anything for them. Washington's liable to lose one or two of these games, uh, and you know we don't know what happens after that. So I'm going to say treat. I think I think we're going to get a secret mystery third team here that's going to get involved. Avery, what about you? Trick or treat? Another a team not named Oregon or Washington will end up in the Pac-12 title game. I take your treat and I raise it to a donut because I think a team not named Oregon Washington is going to win the conference this year. That's where I'm at. Don't ask me who. Don't ask me how. But if they sneak into the conference championship game, they're going to win it because it's just one game. All they have to do is win. The hard part is getting in. Oh my goodness, goodness, goodness. Oh, really? Now, Now that we all think it's a treat except for Greg, I'm... Oh man, I'm like dying to know who that Carlos third team is. Carlos is fighting so hard to not say UCLA right now. <laughs> I wish. I actually think UCLA has maybe the hardest path in terms of like actual tiebreakers. You just said they're gonna win the rest of the game. Yeah, no, I think they have a hardest path in terms of tiebreakers. I think they lost oh. to the wrong teams. No, I'm pretty sure Arizona has the hardest path, don't they? So based on tiebreakers, because they don't get to play Oregon. Oh, you're talking about actual path. Um, well, yeah, and tiebreakers because they lost to USC and yeah. UW, and they don't get to play Oregon. Yeah, God, I don't know. 
USC can still do some dumb shit. Yeah. Oregon State can still do some dumb shit. Another, UCLA can do the funniest thing possible. Another year like, of like, remember last year when we had like a five-way tie for second mm-hmm. and Utah won off some crazy calculation and needed all five results to go their way? <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> I swear to God, that team that team prays very hard. <laughs> right on and off the field (laughs) Um, all right let's get out of here it's time to make some game predictions all right it's it's time for our spooky predictions greg how about a pick and party update it's a rough week for us as a whole uh four of six was the best people did Dewey, Grapes, Briar, Gary, Chad all did that. Good job. Worst this week was 0 for 6. Zach, ooh, man, he's really not great at this. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zach. <laughs> J total 12, which means Guac is the standings overall leader at not Guaco on Twitter. Um, the easiest game was the Cal over, and the hardest game was Arizona State and the over. Those two were both not picked. Now, in terms of bold predictions... For correct, we had Jello Gold UCLA over five sacks on Sanders. I don't think that was bold enough. I don't think it counts. <laughs> J told twelve, Colorado over six sacks allowed. That's a better, but I still think it's not bold enough. Nope, doesn't count. Sports with M, Cal scores at least 35 points. Once again, not bold enough. Uh, <laughs> Cam Carson Steele will not have a negative run from scrimmage. I don't know. Apparently that happened. I think that's very bold. Uh, So, Cam, good job. Uh, KG, Cal close was all we had there. Um, I don't think that's bold enough after how USC has looked. And Chad had... Cal close is so funny, though. That's such a funny thing to put. (laughs) Chad had the best prediction by far, which is Arizona State wins by double digits. Well done, Chad. Well done. God, God. Sick. (laughs) Honorable mention was was from Zach. Utah scores 20, but no offensive touchdowns. Felt like it was going to happen at one point. And then (laughs) a couple funny ones that didn't happen were Connor with Lil Nas X gets booed off the stage at college game day. And Gary with Cam Scadaboo gets called for targeting. That was so fucking funny. Cameron Scadaboo getting called for targeting makes so much sense. I swear to God. Uh, all right, yeah. Check out our uh, weekly pick em. Uh, It gets posted on our Twitter account every week, so go check that out. It's on our Patreon, too. It's free. You don't have to be a subscriber to our Patreon in order to get that, but uh, it's out there. So go check that out. Matt, how about a standings update? Um, Carlos and Reed both go 5-1 and one on the week, further proving just how incredibly boring this season has been. <laughs> um, otherwise, on points... Both myself and Carlos both getting both Arizona schools winning correct uh, puts us into a much, much better spot where Carlos is now up 10 points on Reed and then Reed at 51, myself and Avery at 49, and Greg in the rear at 48. Now everyone's going to complain about the points and say, oh, what's about your overall record? Matt, who leads in the overall record? You. It doesn't matter. Thank you. Again, proving how absolutely awful and boring this season has been. Worst Pac-12 season of all time. Never, never been so back. All right. Another six-game slate in Week 10. We're in the home stretch now, and it all starts at 11 a.m. Pacific. 11 a.m. Pacific, let me enunciate. On the Pac-12 networks, ASU travels to Salt Lake City to take on a deflated Utah team. Matt, who wins and by what margin? 
Utah wins. Um, and I think I'll go by five. Okay. This feels right. Greg? I think Utah wins by a lot. I think Utah will beat bad teams comfortably and lose to good teams comfortably. Reed? Yeah, Utah wins by two scores at least. Uh, too physical. Avery? <laughs> I want to know what the line is. Oh, God. I feel like Utah might be broken now. I'd be broken. I'd be broken after that game. I would let Arizona State beat me at home after that game. So I'm going to pick ASU. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I've got Utah. I think this is going to be a weird game. Though. I think it's going to be uh, uh, needlessly close. I think it's going to be like 23 to 22 or something stupid like that. Uh, next up at 2:30 Pacific on the Pac-12 networks, Cal travels to Eugene to play Oregon. Greg, who wins and by what margin? Oregon by a lot. I may be Cal curious, but I'm not Cal crazy. So yeah, Oregon by a lot. Reed, yeah, Oregon upwards a 20 point win. Grapes. God, this one's hard for me because, as you may know, I'm trying to go 0-12 on my Cal picks. So this uh, shouldn't hurt. Yesterday go, was close. Go, go pick Cal. What are you talking about? Uh, yesterday was really close. Okay, <laughs> yesterday was one point away from shattering this, and I felt bad about it all week. I, I'm i not going to let my Cal curiosity get in the way of my 0-12 Cal picks. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Cal. Yeah. Matthew Bertson? This would be a great opportunity to pick Cal if it wasn't in Eugene. Oh my god, that would be so much fun. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, not in Eugene. Oregon will win. Yeah, won't, won't hit the letdown then. Yeah, give me give me Oregon by thirty. That's gonna be a disgusting game. Uh, Four thirty p.m. Maybe not the game we thought it was gonna be, but I think an intriguing one nonetheless. Washington travels to Los Angeles to play USC on ABC. Reed, who wins and by what margin? USC close. I think this is the week that that Washington finally falters. USC can score on them. If Washington is in, in rhythm again, I think USC can get it done. Uh, Avery, what you got? Um, Washington is favored by three and a half mm-hmm. at USC. Stream no truck stops. Um, <laughs> God, I don't know because... I think USC's really, really bad. Like, genuinely really bad. I'm going to go with Washington, but I don't feel good about it. Matthew Bertson? Yeah, give me USC. Mm. On the road. Still, I do think Penix is actually hurt. So, yeah, give me USC. Greg? If time is a flat circle with USC, like I posited earlier, USC will win this game. <laughs> However, no, I want to pick USC. It would be really funny. So, yeah, USC. <laughs> Yeah, I've got USC. If I know anything about Washington, yes. I know if there's anything I know about Washington, it's that a pass rush really fucks them up, fucks with their timing, and USC's defense bad at literally every fucking thing except a pass rush. I, I think it's going to be USC. I think USC is going to pull this out. So The crazy. graphic of Avery being Christ. the only one to pick UW. This is perfect. <laughs> oh, you guys have picked the same on everything. Here's, here's the important thing, though. Um... Over or under in this game? Whatever the total is, it doesn't matter. Are you, you going over, over or under? You have to take the over. I don't care if yeah. it's 90. 
I don't care. I'm taking the over. <laughs> Listen, I'm, but I've seen way too many Pac-12 games to know that mm-hmm. the, uh, the over is the obvious one, and this game's going to be like 17 to 14. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good Carlos point. Carlos sees it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with under just to hedge my bets against the Pac-12 voodoo. I feel like it's just a little weird. A little weird. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't bet on that game. <laughs> uh, at 6 p.m., another Pac-12 network game. Stanford travels to Pullman to take on a reeling Washington State team. Avery, these are your boys. Who wins by what margin? Stanford's going to win. Wow. I mean, not Stanford. Oh. Wazoo's going to win. Sorry, <laughs> I just read that. Wazoo's going to win. It's in Pullman. Uh, Stanford got close with Utah, but I don't think Stanford's actually good, and I don't think they're going to be good away from home. And um, Io Manor might be out. I don't know. He didn't look great. So I feel like even though Washington State has been horrible, if they lose this game, that's just like their bottom level shit spinning. for the program. Tail spinning. Matt. Yeah. I think they are tail spinning. I'm mm. going to pick Stanford off that. Um, I think that they're in a really bad spot right now. I would prefer to just ignore the existence of this game, if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but but if I have to pay attention to it, I will. it will be to the Wazoo tailspin side. Greg? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pick a team that's lost four straight games, so I'm picking Stanford. <laughs> I guess Stanford has lost four straight too, but it's different because their four straight is felt <laughs> no, good. No, no, they and beat Colorado last week. Oh, that was within the four <laughs> games. Wonderful. <laughs> that, that means I'm principled and my takes make sense. So uh, go trees. Okay, Carlos and Reed, we got to keep the keep the graphic going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you if have you guys to pick, pick Stanford. Stanford. That's just going to look Reed. crazy. <laughs> Wait, is it, don't be a bitch. Okay, Come fine. on. I'll do Stanford. Thank you. I was already thinking Stanford. Washington State's in a fucking tailspin. They're about to hit rock bottom. I don't know what the hell to think of them. Losing to Arizona State, albeit in Tempe, is crazy. Crazy stuff. And they got their asses handed to them. They're broken. UCLA broke Washington State. Uh, Avery broke Washington State. I broke Washington. These final two games are out of our control. Avery, who are we picking? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm picking. Oh God, it's in Colorado. <laughs> Man, I thought we'd walk out of. I thought we'd walk out of Tucson with a win, and it'd be can like. I say, can yeah, I at least say these Colorado games at the 7 p.m. on ESPN? Oregon State <laughs> travels to Boulder to play a really Colorado team. Avery, who wins by what margin? Why do I have to pick first? Fuck, man. Oregon State on the road is scary, but I I want to believe. I want to believe that Jonathan Smith will not do that stupid of shit two weeks in a row. So I'm, I'm gonna pick Oregon State. Oh. <laughs> Matt Dieberson, do you want? All right, Colorado it is then. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> the rules have been made. Greg, are you gonna follow the trend? Are we gonna do the funniest gonna, thing of all time? Pass, and I'm gonna let Carlos and Reed pick before me, and Reed? then I'll decide Carlos, after that. Okay, fuck it, <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> Let's go. You guys are so rude to me. <laughs> Read. <laughs> Look, I've I've been on Beavlet Road Frauds for a long time. <laughs> Preseason, I said they were losing two of these games. It already fucking happened. They lost to Wazoo and Arizona. They're losing to Colorado too. <laughs> Greg. Oh, oh God. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. On the one hand, Oregon State are frauds on the road. We know this. But on the other hand, there's just no fucking chance they lose to a team like Colorado. I can't believe it. I have to take Oregon State. Oh, the matchup no. is not good for Colorado. 
you fucking <laughs> banana. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All that for one point, Greg. I have to stay. Fine. One fucking fine. Make point. it Colorado then. Yeah. <laughs> In the way of actual. If you pick Oregon State, I have to change my pick and pick Oregon State if this is a solidarity thing. We're, we're going to get free I, points. I will not scab. I will not scab. <laughs> In the way of actual analysis, I am genuinely worried about Oregon State's back end tackling Colorado's athletes. I am genuinely a little bit worried about that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Finally, late game. UCLA travels to Tucson at 7.30 p.m. to take on Arizona in what should be a ranked, which should be a ranked matchup. It's not because the fucking AP poll voters are idiots. Avery, let's start with you again. Who wins? By one margin? <laughs> Obviously, I'm no, picking Arizona. No, no, no. <laughs> Did you think I seriously boo, would pick boo, UCLA? You take UCLA on this one. <laughs> yeah, you take UCLA. You're pick taking ranked team coward. I'm picking first. I pick no, Arizona. Right uh, down. I'm, I'm still first. picking Arizona. No. <laughs> I'm not changing. Fuck. Yes, I'm picking Arizona. I'm absolutely picking Arizona. Are you kidding me? Ben Hubertson? You people are cowards. Give me the bears. Come oh, on. Oh, my goodness, Greg. <laughs> bears? Listen, if I were picking according to principles today, I'd probably take Arizona, but I'm not. I'm picking according to my heart, and my heart says, fuck Jed Fish. Go UCLA. <laughs> let's go. Goodness gracious, man. What a weird-ass graphic this is going to be. Let's see, if, let's see if it actually gets out there. You, Chris, you absolutely have to get it out there now. I will. Um... All right. Well, that's it. That's our spooky episode. We hope you enjoyed that. Let's get out of here. It's been long. We're Tight back. two hours. We're back on YouTube yeah. on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific to talk some Pac-12 hoops. If you want more football content, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com for just $5. We'll drop our weekly preview episode on late Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And, of course, tune in next week for our rescheduling of Eating Very Hot Salsa on live stream and for our recap of Week 10. For now, that's Reed. That's Matt. That's Greg. I'm Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. Please be safe out there. We'll see you see you next week. And remember, there are no trick stops here. Not even one. It's basketball season. Whoa. Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick it makes you choke. Crowd vibes in, the coffee's kicking in my patience to everything. Said I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street.